Hey friend, welcome back to the Love Your Bible podcast. In this episode, we're going to see the Bible as a telescope, not a microscope. Hey friend, welcome back to the Love Your Bible podcast. Hey, my goal is to help you love your Bible more because I believe if you love the Bible, you will love God, serve people, and live a life that matters. Hey, today we're going to look at the Bible as a telescope, not a microscope. Now, I want to tell you about my first experience with a telescope. I was 10 years old and I went outside and we had some friends over. And so it was me outside on my deck and I had this telescope and I've got the star finder and I'm trying to look at all the stars. And I had a friend beside me. She was a six-year-old girl. And so I'm looking through this telescope. And the reason it was so impactful is because it was the day I got my first kiss. So just want to warn you about that. So I'm 10. I'm looking in my star finder and I find the perfect star that I want to look at. And I'm looking through the telescope and I'm gazing at this star that, of course, is it's gigantic, right? I just I, I can't see it because I'm so far away. So a telescope brings something that is far closer into my view so that I can see it and behold it. So I'm looking at this telescope and about the time I see the star and I'm looking at it, I feel a kiss on my cheek. Yeah, that, that six-year-old girl, she, she decided this was a good time to give me a kiss. And I'm a 10-year-old boy, right? I do not want to be kissed by a girl. Girls have cooties at this point. So I remember turning around, I looked at her and I said, why did you do that? And that's not really what you say to a six-year-old girl who's just got up the courage to give you a kiss. And so she, mortified, begins to cry, runs into the house, I'm sure to her mom, and I'm sure I got in trouble. <laughs> but I just remember that moment. That was my first kiss, but also... My first adventure with a telescope, and I'm looking and beholding something grand. And that's really what a telescope does, right? A telescope doesn't make a star big. A star is already big. The moon, it's already big. What a telescope does is it helps us to see things that are big so that our eyes can behold them, so that our eyes can see them. You see, a microscope is the opposite. A microscope takes something very, very small and it magnifies it. It exaggerates it so that our naked eyes can see it. So a microscope, you take something little and you're trying to make it big. A telescope, you're trying to make something really big and make it visible. And when you think about the Bible, the Bible is not a microscope. God is not a small being who man is trying to make big. Like the Bible is not a bunch of guys getting together to say, hey, let's create this God who's really not that great. He's really not that grand, but let's try to make him big. Let's try to create stories that'll make people think God is big when really he's actually pretty small. No, that's not what the Bible does. The Bible is capturing a God who is big, a God that is enormous, awesome in every sense of the word, but the Bible is trying to bring that God into focus so that we can see and behold who he is. See, the Bible's taking a great God and making him where we can see him. So I want to go to Psalm 19 as we think about the Bible as a telescope, not a microscope. Remember, the Bible is bringing a big, glorious God into view so that we can see and behold him. The Bible is not a microscope bringing a little God and trying to exaggerate his qualities. So what Psalm 19 is going to tell us is that the world 
is actually declaring the glory of God, that every day the world around you is telling you how great God is. But the the word of God, it actually helps us to know who that glorious God is. So Psalm 19, 1 through 6, we're going to see that the world proclaims the glory of God. So I'm going to read it. Here's what it says. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the skies above proclaim His handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor their words, whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out throughout all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them He has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber and like a strong man runs its course with joy. It's rising is from the end of the heaven and it's circuit to the ends of them. There is nothing hidden from its heat. So what's David trying to tell us? Well, he says the heavens, the stars, the sky, everything you see above you, it's declaring the glory of God, that, that the world is a preacher of God. That that day by day, the voice of God is being heard, but it's a speech that is not heard, it's, it's seen. So what, what that means is that every single day when the sun comes up and the sun goes down, when, when the world, the things we see within the world, the, the rivers and the lands and animals and just all the things that we behold, they're all telling us God is great. God is glorious. There's a glorious God who made everything. So the world preaches the glory of God. That you can't drive, you can't go for a hike, you can't go about your day and not notice, oh yeah, I'm not the creator of all things. I'm not here by accident. I'm not here on my own, but instead a glorious God made me. A glorious God made all things. So the creation, the world preaches the glory of God. But then what we're going to see, David transitions to say, but the the word <laughs> proclaims who this God is. So the world tells us there is a God and he is glorious, but the word of God actually proclaims to us who that God is. And we're going to see just how great the word of God is. So verses 7 through 11, David just goes on a rant of how great the word of God is. Just listen to his words. He says, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. Just think about that for a minute. The word of God, it's perfect and it does something. It revives our souls. See, part of the reason you read the Bible, part of the reason you go to the Bible is because your soul is needs reviving. Your soul needs replenishing. How do you get your soul revived and replenished? It's from the law of the Lord that is perfect. I mean, think about all the things you hear in media and news and just chatter. I mean, it's all imperfect, right? It's all imbalanced. It's it's so many hearsay and not half-truths, but the Word of God, it's the perfect source that actually revives your soul. He goes on and says, the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. So not only perfect, it's sure. You can can bet on it, you can bank on it, and it makes wise the simple. The simple are those foolish people who don't don't know the ways of the Lord. They don't know the right way to go. Well, the Bible is going to make you wise. Verse 8 says, the precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. 
So check it out. The Bible not only revives our soul, but it also rejoices our heart. (laughs) Remember, we're supposed to love our Bibles. Well, the Bible actually causes us to love the Bible. It rejoices our hearts. He says, the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. So it's reviving our soul, it's rejoicing our heart, and it's enlightening our eyes. In other words, we can see properly when we are loving our Bibles. Verse 9 says, The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Again, this is real. This is truth. It's things you can bank your life upon. And then listen to this in verse 10. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Now that's talking about value. So the, so the word of God, it's to be desired, right? That's kind of the theme of this podcast. Desire your Bible, love your Bible. But it says it's to be desired more than gold, even fine gold gold. So we should long for the Bible and want the Bible in the same way that we would want a large amount of money. It is satisfying to us. And then he switches the metaphor to talk about food. He says it's sweeter also than honey and the drippings of a honeycomb. So it's not only valuable, it's not only more to be desired than gold, but it's also sweet. It tastes good. That when we get in the word, we are We are delighted by it. We are surprised by it. We're encouraged by it, that it actually tastes good. It's like honey to a believer. When we see the goodness of God, who he is, what he's done, it is sweet to our taste. And then verse 11 says, Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there's great reward. So the Bible, it warns us. It tells us what not to do, but it also rewards us. It tells us how to live and how to move and what to do and and it gets us off of the wrong path and onto the right path where there is true reward. And then he finishes out the psalm and it says this, Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep me back, your servant, also from presumptuous sin. Let not them have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgressions. Listen to this, verse 14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. So when the Bible becomes that thing that revives our soul, that makes us wise, that rejoices our heart, that enlightens our eyes, that becomes our desire, that is sweet to our taste, that warns us and that rewards us, then the the application of that will be the words of our mouth will be acceptable to God. The meditation of our heart will be acceptable to God. And who is God? He's our rock and our redeemer. In other words, the way we live will be pleasing to the Lord because we are living under God's good word. We're living under his authority because we are loving our Bibles. But in order to love the Bible, you have to know what it's doing. And that's why we've said in this episode, we're going to look at the Bible as a telescope, not a microscope. The Bible is not a book. It's not a story trying to make a little God look big. Instead, the Bible is a story showing us this amazing, epic, great, awesome, all-encompassing, all-powerful God. And the Bible is bringing him into focus so that our little eyes can see and behold his glory. 
And the truth is, every day, the world, everything around you, from the birds that are singing to the snakes in the field, they are all proclaiming the glory of God. It's all around you. But God has given us a book, just like a telescope. What does a telescope do? It brings something that is far away, that is immensely glorious, and it brings it into focus so that our little eyes can see and behold it and get captured in its glory. That's what a telescope does. It brings big things close so we can see. And that's what the Bible does. It brings a big, glorious God into focus so that we can see him and know him. We can watch him interact with people. We can see how he moves and we can feel his heart. We can listen to his chest as he breathes and longs for his people as he sings over us and as we get caught up in his love we're looking through a telescope and we're seeing how big and great God is it's not a microscope the bible's not making a little god big instead the bible's a telescope making a giant glorious beautiful god bringing him into focus so that we can actually see and know who he is so we're going to think about the bible not as a microscope but a telescope. I want to end this episode with a tip. Another tip to help you crush your Bible reading plan. So last week we had a tip about hearing the Bible, not just reading the Bible. Now here's tip number two on crushing your reading plan. Here's the tip. Forget the dates. That's the big tip. Just forget the dates. I know it's a year-long Bible plan. It ends on December 31st, and you've got that date in your mind, and then you get behind, and you know it's the 13th, but you should be reading and like the 1st, and you're 13 days behind. It's just, oh man, you're already behind. What I'm going to suggest is forget the dates, just follow the plan. And I want you to treat it like, like the habit of jogging versus running a marathon. See, in a marathon, you have a goal, right? You're trying to hit 13.1 miles, at least a half marathon. I've done that before, so that's, we'll just stick with that one. There's a goal. There's a finish line, and you're training, and you're running. But when it's done, you stop running. You don't continue to run the marathon. The habit of jogging is different. The habit of jogging says, every day I'm going to get up, and I'm going to go for a jog. See, the difference is you don't have a finish line in jogging. You have a habit. And when it comes to your reading plan, forget the end date. Forget the big goal of finishing. Just follow the plan and read. And if you miss a couple of days, who cares? Just get get that day and start reading. Just develop the habit of reading as much as you can, just like you jog as much as you can. Forget the finish line. Build the habit of reading. And one of the best ways to do that is to grab a plan, forget the date, and just keep running. Hey, that was Love Your Bible Podcast. I'm so pumped that you were here. Listen, huge shout out to So and Tether for the music to this podcast. And I hope to see you again next Thursday.